Hi, you are listening to Creatrix Culture. I am your host, Sarah Wolf, and I am really excited today. We are joined by Dr. Mark Weissman, and he's a practicing Norse Ulf Hethnar and shaman in Alaska. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> I've been kind of stressed out about that all day. <laughs> And today we're going to talk to him about his work and what he does. And we're also going to dive in, which I was really um, intrigued and it, and it hit home with me, is he also works with servicemen and women who return from combat and he combines his spiritual work and everything he does in helping them transition back home and into life again. So Mark, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. And why don't you just, why don't you tell us what all of this is about? And like I said, you know, if you laughed at me, because I was like, can we just layman terms? It? Because um, I'm going to give a link to his website and there's so much information and there's so much to digest and take in. And for me, like the whole Norse, everything, it, it's, I have never heard of it. So it was even something so new to my brain. And I think uh, that's what really intrigued me as well as I love to learn new things and new cultural things and just stuff that's out there and like different avenues of spirituality. And that's what we walk down a lot in this show. Can you give us a little, I would love to just, if you want to just take it off of like your journey, how you got on this ancestral track with your ancestors to this teaching and knowledge, and then we can take it into the work that you do later. But yeah, you can just Absolutely. take it on. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually a, a, a very long story, but to shorten it, to fit into a, a podcast, my spirituality, I began very young and, and I've, I've had a lot of ongoing challenges to come to a realization of, of what I understood. I always had ideas. I had people telling me what to believe. I had mom and dad telling me what to believe. I had all kinds of people kind of force feeding me this information. And then I found myself doing some genealogy for my mother, my mother wanting to, to know the whole family roots and everything. So mm -hmm. I started doing that for her. And I discovered some of my own ancestry, which actually extends into northern Germany and uh, southern Denmark. And so I started doing a little bit more studying and reading and, and come to find out the Norse uh, of legend, we all know the Vikings, mm -hmm. uh, those Norse guys, well, they, their beliefs um, and their, their whole theology, which was the very polytheistic beliefs, really stems from the Celts. It, it comes from Southern Europe, where the Celts kind of battled back and forth with the Roman Empire. And then the Celts, we see their influence going all the way over to Italy. We see their influence going all the way over into Eastern Europe. But ultimately, they would wind themselves up and go through Germany in the Germanic tribes, mm -hmm. which would ultimately become the Scandinavians. They would meet the Sami people, who are Norway, um, okay. indigenous people, mm -hmm. were coming mm -hmm. south down Norway, and the Germanic tribes were going north uh, through what is today Denmark, and they kind of met there at the Baltic Sea and said, hey. And so we find a lot of the belief systems that underlying what was everyone knows to be the Vikings and the, the pantheon that surrounds the Vikings, there was an underlying spiritual belief in a group referred to as the Lanvedi. Mm -hmm. And the Lanvedi, Lanvedi is just an old Norse word, which simply means spirits of the land or land spirits. Mm. And so those entities, as I've come to learn later, have been with me my whole life. 
they have they have spoken with me they've guided me they've kept me kind of from falling off the trails too often and got me back on the trail when I did fall off uh-huh. um, but it wasn't until I had hindsight that I was able to kind of see all their actions along the way my uh, my website will uh, outlines the event that happened on my birthday 2020 where I met face to face with a vision of Odin Mm-hmm. and kind of swore my allegiance at that point to become what is um, Uv Hefnar. Now, Uv Hefnar, um, those soldiers of Norse legend were very akin to something everyone knows, and that's the berserkers. Everyone's familiar with berserkers because everybody goes berserk sometimes. So berserkers and Uv Hefnars were uh, advanced warriors in the Norse belief system while the berserkers represented and connected spiritually with the bear the ulf hefner connected with the wolf so they would bite their shields before battle when they entered battle they would uh they could not be hurt by flame or by iron and uh even though they wore no mail they wore no armor and these of course are the legends um some of the other legends goes on to say that the ulf hefners were actually also shaman they were the shamans of their groups. And so what this meant was that the shamans could um, uh, could summon the Lanvedi to act war for them, but do it naturally. So in lieu of going to war with this camp that was down in the valley, we just mm-hmm. flood the valley oh. with rain. Mm-hmm. And so the Lanvedi would work with the Uv Hefnar and they would flood the valley or they would uh, have a landslide that could block the road, something to that effect. So it was a natural effect to preventing war, but mm. still allowing victory for whoever sides the Uv Hefnar. Now, we do have a historical record that King Harald Hafrigri, when he unified Norway, he used um, a set of shock troops, they were referred to, and these were the berserkers and the Uv Hefnars. And so they were considered by those legends to be more or less the special forces of their day. And so they helped uh, King Harold uh, unify Norway for the first time, I want to say somewhere in the 700s. Okay. And so, um, but that's, that's kind of where that goes. And so my great grandmother mm-hmm. um, was a cedar, and that's a form of magic practiced by the Norse and by some of the Celtic tribes. She was a cedar magician. Mm. And now what I've learned is that that bloodline was passed on to me and verified by my vision of Odin. Wow. So that's that's 50,000 words or less. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is so beautiful. Yeah. When my great, great grandparents came over, I'm Italian, Finnish and Slovenian. So my mom's dad's 100% Slovenian. My mom's mom's 100% Italian. My dad's dad was 100% Finnish and my dad's mom was 100% Slovenian. But when they came over here, and this is why I feel like I have such a calling to really connect with ancestry, is they didn't really talk about anyone back home. I don't know anyone from those lands. And same thing, spiritual things have been happening to me since I was young and I would have all these things, but no one in my immediate lineage ever talked about it, right? Everyone that was in America and everyone just kind of was in their religious beliefs and their thing. And then I'm having all this stuff happen to me my whole life. 
And then this summer I was up at our family cabin that my grandfather built when my dad was eight years old. He's like in his seventies now. Our, our full last name is Kiwi Lottie. And when the great grandparents came over, they chopped off the Kiwi part and we've just been Lottie. And I, w- I walked up to the cabin and my dad has on the sign like Lottie and then underneath he has Kiwi Lottie. And it just so happened like one afternoon I walked up and I looked at Kiwi Lottie and I was like, I think I need to bring that back. Like I felt this really big calling to put my last name back together, right? And the minute I, f- I felt that, I instantly got called down to the lake and I never go swimming <laughs> in the afternoon because that was too cold. And I just like put on my swimsuit and I got in the water and I just stood in the water and really felt the connection back to the Finnish lineage and bringing in the, in the Kiwi Lottie. And, and for the first time in my life, like I started to feel my ancestors and I just stood there for a really long time and allowed this energy to come in. And then at the end, I, I just dove under the water and felt like it was a sort of a baptism into something that I had a disconnection to. And my grandfather had come to me months prior in ceremony, kind of starting to like knock on the door a little bit. And I even said in ceremony to my friends that night, I was like, I feel like, cause my grandfather always stands right here. He passed away before I was born. And I was like, I feel like my Lottie grandfather, like this is him. And then the next day, these synchronicities were happening that my dad growing up called me Sarah bear and no one knows that. And somebody walked in the house the next day and he's like, Hey, Sarah bear. And I was like, okay. And then my girlfriend, she wasn't even with me during ceremony or anything. She texts me and she goes, does anyone call you Sarah bear? And right then I felt like it was my grandfather communicating the only way he knew how, because we didn't have a relationship. But yeah, I'm, I'm really interested now in my own path, in my spiritual path, that I'm, I'm meant to connect with these, these ancestors and, and what they might be linked to. So that's, that's really beautiful that that came on your path and you found that and you followed it. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I've really been blessed with since uh, those, those times it, is learning how we communicate as physical beings, how we communicate through the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And how we communicate with our ancestors, which which speaks volumes about what you're you're saying about your grandparents, where we humans have a hard time thinking outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very hard concept to really, really grasp for most people, where if I told you that your ancestors were indeed right there, they just weren't in a physical form anymore. Mm-hmm. people struggle with that. They, they can't grasp it because it's, it's not something measurable. It's not something I can, I can put my hands on and, and, and uh, decorate, if you will. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of people struggle with that. But my teachings, that's exactly what I, I talk to is when I'm, and particularly when I'm in a slides right into working with uh, some of the servicemen, mm-hmm. is that that's where we start going is thinking about, all right, what if you had, just think for a minute, if you had a unlimited resource pool of the smartest people who ever lived sitting right next to you, would that make your life any different? And if so, why aren't you talking to them? <laughs> and so we, we start kind of putting accountability, not, not really accountability, but I think for most part, it's an understanding. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, unfortunately, monotheistic practices, and I always like making sure I really highlight that word practice, 
is saying, oh, thou shalt not do this. And, and that stuff's dark and it's evil and it's this and that. But yet on the same note, in many cases, they still celebrate the same stuff. They're just rebranding it and calling it something else. Right. And it, it's always driven me a little crazy. But what happens with, with particularly with individuals who are returning from conflict is they're trying to reconcile. And that's really where the struggle is, is they're trying to reconcile the acts of war mm-hmm. to this monotheistic practice that, that essentially we've been programmed with since mm-hmm. before we were even born. Because mm-hmm. our, our, our parents were talking to us before we were even drawing air mm-hmm. and instilling in us those values. And so the reconciliation between those two, now we have to come, because what you wind up with is this huge pot of guilt mm-hmm. that many of these individuals carry. But it's not, it's needless. There really is no guilt for what they did. And so... Um, it's just working through those emotional nuggets. I call them emotional nuggets mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out why, what's, what is it about that particular memory that triggers you into an emotional rise? Um, my, my personal theory is, is that all emotion that we experience as, as humans is essentially a chemical reaction in our body. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's a release of hormones. Mm-hmm. So you get angry, you get upset, you get happy, you get all these things. It's just a balancing act inside the body of hormones that your body makes naturally. And of course, you can add some other stuff in there, the old-fashioned way. Yeah. But for the most part, these hormones are, are, are meant to counterage. So they're meant to establish a balance. But, you know, you, you get a swing one way, you get angry, sad. Now I'm thinking of the, the, the more powerful emotions that we experience. These are all driven by hormones. Mm-hmm. And so by learning to control those hormones by saying, oh, okay, well, I have this memory and this memory triggers this type of action. How then do I, do I control that action? What, what is it about this memory that is, that is doing that for me? Mm-hmm. And so just trying to unwind that because, again, there's a lot of guilt with the reconciliation, particularly with combat veterans. And there's other, um, I work with, with folks who just have traumatic injuries, uh, traumatic psychology uh, issues, where they essentially overloaded the processor in, in layman's terms, going to your phrase there. <laughs> uh, we, we've overloaded the processor and our brain is just incapable of cleaning up enough bandwidth to be able to process this trauma and all these other emotional nuggets that I've got sitting down here in base. Mm-hmm. So. But if I had cleared out those nuggets, those emotional little fireballs I have sitting down the bottom of my memory, I'd gotten rid of those, I would have enough processor for now this traumatic uh, scenario where I can start building some coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I can start putting one step in front of the other and, and start getting across the floor. And that's, that's my, my whole life's work is to wow. try to help people understand, clear out those emotional things the best we can. Mm-hmm get ourselves some headspace so we got a little bit of bandwidth and then begin to make coping mechanisms. And then ultimately, as we know, coping mechanisms become behaviors. Mm-hmm. Behavior becomes our, our personality. And so that's, that's I mean, there's a, a very strong track between A and B, so. Right. 
So yeah, doing like self-medicating and doing your own coping mechanisms, like let's say drinking, right? Then, well, drinking and hormones go together too, because I learned from a, a Chinese medical doctor, a lot of your hormones are produced, your actual hormones are produced in the liver. So then I put two together. I'm like, well, that's interesting because if drinking causes anger, right? A lot of people go eventually over time, you start getting angry because you're over-processing your liver. But if you're messing with your hormones, right? Then yeah, like you're, if you're not doing the right coping mechanism, then everything's going out of whack of however it is. So that's really- right, And, and, and you're still dealing with those. You still got those emotional nuggets. They haven't gone anywhere. They haven't gone away. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you now you've got this new new thing. Uh, yeah, this new group of issues coming on board, and you haven't even gotten rid of the old baggage yet. So yeah, it can be very challenging. How long have you been doing this work um, with helping people going <laughs> through this process? Um, I I was actually ordained in the Christian Church um, okay. in 2001. Mm-hmm. I graduated from Wayland Baptist University, crazy enough, um, in 2002. So it was right about there that I really started working full time. Um, before then, it was just anybody. It was mostly a, a friend mm-hmm. of a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. Um, and uh, we'd sit down and talk. Having been, uh, I was never in combat myself, but I was in private security, okay. um, maritime security. So I had plenty of stress all by itself. And some of it was bad. Some of it was, and I've just learned, I learned to deal with it. And so friends of friends would come and they, we'd start talking and I'd help them out. And, and that kind of led me uh, again, my wife is, is a devout Christian. So I, I kind of followed that, that thread thinking mm-hmm. that was the answers that I was, I was receiving. Uh-huh. Um, but then as I got more and more clarity, more and more practice of, of being in my spirituality and being an empathetic. I began to have a lot more clarity and a lot more understanding. And that's where, you know, ideas like the webpage, um, mm-hmm. all of that information, um, my weekly podcast, um, those all kind of came to fruition as I got more and more clarity in, in my spiritual communication and channeling and visions and able to understand dreams, started doing dream translation. Probably I was doing dream interpretation off and on since I was 16. Okay. My mom originally turned me on to it uh, when I was a young boy and then it just started coming to me mm-hmm. and so as I've learned now that was again the Lambetti coming to me and starting to talk to me and again I, I didn't recognize it for what it was back then mm-hmm. I was just hey I know what this means and let me tell you what it means and there you go and <clears throat> as I've come to learn now those were some of my first real communications with my spiritual entities whom I interact with now daily. Right. So That's really cool. I, I had a, actually a psychologist that he didn't really help me. Anytime I saw a therapist, which was like far and few between, because my dad didn't believe in it, so he wouldn't pay for it, right? So like, I wasn't really like, but every time I had a therapist, I would actually teach them what's going on with me. <laughs> like, But the one time I had one person that taught me anything, uh, he actually taught me dream interpretation, like really looked had me start looking at it in different ways. But I, that was more of just like a practical, um, practical way. So um, right. that's really cool that you had it in more of a uh, mystical way. Yeah. And, it, and it's been really insightful because, I mean, you get a lot of knowledge. If you're willing to listen, you, you let go of your ego and you put all that BS aside, you can get, you, I mean, a lot of people kind of think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get 
the the um, the future. We're going to foretell the future, and and that's just not what dreams are. Mm-hmm. They, they were never designed to be that. Um, we have a trajectory that we will travel through life from the time we're born to the time for eternity, and it's along that trajectory that we have paths. Um, we have our own path, and and one of the things that I would say the monotheistic practice got right was that we have this idea of called free will. And we can change our trajectory anytime we want for any reason we want, uh-huh. understanding that there are ramifications for that. There are different lessons that we will learn from that. There are different things that we take away. It's, all of them are not going to be good. They're not going to be good for us. But we are free to make that decision mm. and giving people that power. And that um, uh, I had uh, uh, a person come to me and, and say, oh, well, you know, but, you know, their deity recognizes where you're going to be. My deity doesn't have a clue where I'm going to be. He doesn't know where I'm going to be next week, much less where I'm going to be by the time I shed this physical frame. Uh-huh. Um, and the reason is, is that my deity, he provides me with encouragement and, and I would say nudges, but not real forcefully. It's just, hey, have you thought about this? Um, But yet the decision to go there, the decision to do that is mine to make. Mm -hmm. And I have that power. I have that power. Um, Much like I I try to encourage people who who say, oh, I can't get over this depression. I'm always sad. I I just can't see past it. I, I would disagree. (laughs) I would say you have any opportunity, every moment of your life, you can completely change your trajectory. Mm -hmm. We see it. We see it in in society today. We see it every day where people start off very poor, very downtrodden and wind up being superstars or millionaires or whatever the case. You can change your trajectory at any time you like. You have to understand again, that there are lessons that are going to be along that new trajectory you've made that you may not like. Mm -hmm. We all think about, oh, being rich, won't that be so fun until it's tax season, (laughs) right? So there are decisions that although, you know, we make a trajectory change thinking one part of it, there may be other pieces to that that we haven't just fully processed yet and then we get on that trajectory whoa 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 whoa, whoa. i made a wrong turn i made a wrong turn and then we want to turn back and and again you can do that at any time back and forth and back and forth and back and forth um as as often as you like understanding that there are ramifications for your learning ultimately we're here to learn emotions right i mean that's that's what we are here on this plane to do is Mm -hmm. to process to learn to control all this chemical composition, I call it, and be able to establish a mindset that is stable, it's balanced, it's harmonious, peaceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all terms that will come from the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. You won't hear conflict. You won't hear battling. You won't hear hate and evil and distrust and, and dislike. You won't hear those phrases. That's not spiritual. Spiritual, and this is the other real key, is it's just energy. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just energy. It's what you intend to do with it that makes it good or bad. The energy itself is not bad. It's what you do with it that makes it bad or good. Right. Whichever whichever direction you want to go. Right. 
So with that being said about the free will, because this is, this is a lot of a topic of conversation with a lot of people. And, you know, there's some people that they're like, I just don't, you know, like, I just don't know if there's free will because in, in that you have these choice points, right? That's your free will do, cause I've heard it a few different ways. So I want your take on it. And I'm not even going <laughs> to say what the different ways I've heard. Cause I just want it to be do you come back to, is there a, like, like what I like to call a through line story, right? And then you have your weavings and whatever. If you, okay, let's say you have your through line story and then you come to a choice point, right? Where you have your free will and you veer off to the left here. And, okay. and then it comes with a whole slew of a lot of stuff. And maybe that wasn't the best decision you could have made. Are things going to help you get back to this through line story? Are you just now on this new trajectory? Does, is there really even this hard through line story? You know, there is, there is the through line story, as you like to call it. What I like to call it is the path of the fate. Okay. Fates, the fates, um, which is a group of spiritual entities who have never experienced emotion. They have no idea what we feel, how we feel it. And so they've plotted this imaginary path from your birth, actually from your conception to eternity. Mm -hmm. And it's the bare minimums. It's just enough to get you enough emotional intellect to get you out of your physical source into a spiritual, you know, your spiritual existence. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's fate. And so that's, that's this through line story that you're mentioning is it's just a straight line. Mm -hmm our path and there are others but our path typically is not and chances are incredibly remote that you will ever make it back to that through line story okay you're going to get pulled off and will you get close sure and there'll be times that you come in line with it again sure those will happen lots of times but for the most part our our path if we choose to be in the driver's seat. We choose to take charge. We choose to exercise our free will and live our life the way we want to. Those are the paths that are, you know, the zigzag path that ups, downs, ups, downs, ups, down. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately the the good news for that life that we've now led of of these the zigzag curves is that when when we do become spiritual entities. And we are providing our empathy back to those people still here on the physical plane, what emotional range we'll have mm -hmm. to be able to help more and more people to be able to understand, to get them out of their predicaments, to, to, to help them by saying, Hey, look, man, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Let me tell you how <laughs> I got out of it. Yeah. And so, and so um, the, your emotional range of your life um, really comes kind of full fold and you really get more of an emotional intellect i think by driving our life even if our life we seem to make a lot of bad choices luck of the draw and we make a bad couple of bad calls in a row ultimately the emotional lessons that you could have learned can help so many other people mm -hmm. who may be in those situations for no fault of their own you know for right. some circumstance that that you know people around them have put them in and so the benefit then to these to this emotional roller coaster if you will is that the more people you'll be able to help as as an empath i've really i've i found that teaching within myself and just i've had a very colorful life i've been all of like all over the map right 
And I, I, I do know that in, in, I can, I've found myself being able to connect with a lot more people and a lot of different types of people in situations, because even though it's been challenging and this and that, but I, I take it as like, it's gold because that is my biggest thing is to be able to connect with people. And one reason why I have a podcast in the form that I do and the things I like to talk about and continue, will continue to um, tackle is, is being the voice or a person to talk about things or bring to light that other people <coughs> don't talk about and have that relation. Cause I do believe that when you've been through it and you talk to someone, you try to help them through, there's a resonance there that somebody who just can intellectually understand and then knowing it, it, it reads differently and they can feel that. Oh yeah. Cause I Absolutely. did a, I did a, uh, I did a 10 day, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Vipassana meditation. You don't look at anyone or talk to anyone for 10 days. Um, it's like the second highest form of meditation that the monks do. And I was going through a really hard time when I was 26. And I just felt like my only way out was to like go to this thing. And I like lied on the application even just so I could like get there. And it really like was a, it was a huge thing. And I sat with one of the only time you could talk is if you scheduled to like sit with one of the practitioners, you know, during one of the breaks. And I was just like, I was actually talking about emotion and cause they were really trying to shut off emotion. I'm like, but I'm this being that's full of emotion and how am I supposed to, you know, and it just didn't make sense. And I could feel in that moment, she had no idea what I was talking about. And it made me more frustrated because I'm like, you don't get where, where I'm at in this. Right. And that kept me from that day to even pay more attention as I walk my path and to even learn more and stretch more just to be more relatable to people to help them through these difficult moments in their journey. One of my theories that I've developed over the years is that we, we have a personal aura around us. Mm -hmm. And that personal aura is built essentially using two things. A, your emotional state. And that fluctuates by the second. So it's, it's a direct representation of where you are and your beliefs, what you believe, how you believe it, why you believe it, all of those things wrapped up into an invisible ball that's wrapped around you. And that ball vibrates at what's called a frequency. And so that frequency is, is one of those wavelengths that kind of goes. When we come into contact with others, particularly if we're close by, if we're not super experienced that you're using your aura you probably have to be a little closer but you can feel when you get near someone within sight maybe or within even touching distance mm -hmm. you can kind of feel their presence you know kind of you know is this a person i want to be with and and that's before you even have any other physical sensory input mm -hmm. So we're going we're gonna to put somebody behind a wall and you just feel them, but you know, they're, they're good people, they're happy, they're whatever, or they're not, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we kind of steer our way through the, the maze of, I call it the mall of <clears throat> looking at what group of people that we want to be with, what people we want to avoid based on these frequencies coming in line. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that really drew me to this theory was I found several things that weren't explainable in any other way. The first thing is love at first sight. Mm -hmm. How can you explain that? 
Yeah, you can't. You can't. Or another term that's used quite frequently, you are my soulmate. Mm-hmm. Those are those are some pretty heavy words between those. And when I, I started thinking about it, it's like, okay, well, why is it that I can go into a room and I can meet with all the people there? And there's some of the people whom I'm going to be, we're going to be friends mm-hmm. and not just acquaintances, not just social events, but friends, long-term friends and others. I don't, why is that? Mm-hmm. So I started calculating all the things and, and of course did some trans work and found out that this aura that we have around us, it, it, it essentially uh, portrays out at a frequency, at a particular frequency, depending on our mood, depending on all the things that are going on with us personally. And as you come in contact with other people's aura, if your frequencies are closer in match at the time you meet, that's what determines your level of friendship. Mm. So um, as an example, my wonderful bride and I have just celebrated uh, 31, going to be 32 years of being married. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Um, she hasn't killed me yet. <laughs> um, but one of the things we we essentially met, dated, and married in six weeks. Oh, wow. And we got married in a bar. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, but <laughs> we've lasted 31 years. Yeah. And I started wondering, well, A, how does she put up with me for so long? But B, how could you feel that way about another person? in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so these theories of this frequency began to make sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it just feels right in my heart that as I come in contact with people in my world, my life, there are going to be those people whose frequencies are very different than mine. And so our, our, it's going to repel a little mm-hmm. bit. And then there are going to be others whose our frequencies are matching. And so we just kind of fit together like a glove in a hand. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is what I, I started really drilling down on some of the, uh, particularly, I have a very good friend of mine who is a Mongolian sh- um, shaman, and he, he has wonderful teachings. And we started talking about it. And of course, I produced my theory and he, it makes sense because the earth produces its own frequency. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been discussed. I mean, that's long foregone or uh, uh, already known science it's not and so when we want to feel comfortable we go near something that produces a similar frequency mm-hmm. this is also why you can listen to 18 songs on the radio and you may only like one mm-hmm. it's because that song has a frequency that's fitting with your aura at the time right and so it just and it just made sense. It just totally made sense. And so um, that have, is uh, essentially my thought process. Have you found this or looked at it or had experience with it in this frequency, in, in your thought process of this? Can people change this particular frequency or is that even when people meet and they're at a certain frequency, right? And then someone changes their frequency, then their repelling can go away. And that, that second part that you just mentioned is absolutely correct. That's where we see couples who are together for a long time just grow apart. Mm-hmm. It's because their frequencies begin to come out of sync. Mm-hmm. And they, they, um, 
But to the first part of your question, yes, you have absolutely 100% control over your aura and how it's produced, what the frequency it's produced at, um, all of those things. You have uh, a big driver of our frequency within that aura is our emotional state. So if we're mm. angry, high strung, stressed out, all of those things, we get a real high frequency. It's a real, um, and it's very repulsive against those people who are just totally low key, just couldn't tip them over if you, if you wanted to, mm -hmm. um, and just totally okay with life. And so those people wind up being in conflict. Now, I have also seen where you have this person who's very high strung, Ah, and this person who is very low key, where their frequencies would be absolutely 100% opposite, mm -hmm. they still fit. Right. And they fit because this one's doing two loops while this one's doing one, or five loops while the other one's doing one. And so the frequencies still match. Mm -hmm. There's just this one's just got a lot of noise between these. And so, but we do find that um, where we, many people have said oh well what about this concept of opposites attract mm -hmm. okay that's that's you're getting to a place where the because this frequency is so high this frequency can be rather low and they still meet this one just does a whole bunch of revolutions while this mm -hmm. one's just doing one it'd be like on a piano like a note up here and a note down here being the same note just a, a higher octave or a lower octave in a sense, right? right. If you kind of like put it into that terms. So they're yeah. still like and, similar notes. And they could still come in harmony together, mm -hmm. even though they're they're vastly different, they can still be in harmony. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the, in, the frequency really like, is tough. Yeah, and in, in in the way you see it changing, <laughs> then your frequency is really working on your emotions. So if you want more of a frequency that let's just say is more um, open or like, uh, what am I looking for? Universal. I don't know what the word is. Low, low key. I use low key. Yeah. Then you that, would that really comes. Yeah. Working just on your experience. emotional state. And you would right. then, uh, instead of repel things, you would pull more things in. Right. Is well, well, I think, I think what you're going to wind up doing is, as we were talking about at the beginning is, we got to clear out some of those emotional unknowns that are in your mind. And, and you're going to do that through, a, you know, whatever practice you want to use to do that, whether it be meditation or, 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 you know, guided meditation, whatever um, you got to get rid of those because what's going to happen is everything else will be low key and you'll be good and groovy and something will happen and trigger one of those emotional nuggets. Now, all of a sudden you're a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And so, and you, and you didn't predict it, right? So now you're, you're wrapping your mind, racing around, unfortunately, generating more stress, trying to arrest the stress from that emotional nugget that just came out of nowhere. And so, ah, and so now you're just multiplying exponentially. And, and unfortunately, you can get really caught up in this, this spiral. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the key to, to finding that really low universal um, kind of open frequency is to really be able to clear your mind. Mm -hmm. And that means that we have to arrest those, those nuggets, those unknown nuggets, because we never know what's going to trip those up and, and send us off into the, you know, low orbit 
because um, of some emotional charge. And so by clearing those out or, or getting them handled, whatever, mm-hmm. however you do that, whether that be through coping mechanisms or eradication, either way, we can now find that, that harmony, that, that balance. And, and that's where we can begin to really understand and we can really begin to control how the aura is produced and how it's maintained. Because mm-hmm. it'll, it'll change, right? You go into a, a crowded area. Some people are good in crowded areas. Other people, not so much. And so- I just like inhale, like, <laughs> yeah. too much for me, crowded areas. I'm like, all that energy, because I'm so empathic, is so much for me to handle. Right. And, and so there are some people who, who do that. And so we, we have to clear out some of those unknown values, those wild variables back there in the recesses of our minds so that when we have to be in a public location and we're taking on all this, we've got the bandwidth to process that. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's really critical. And it, it really helps you. You know, if you're mindful about it, um, one of the things that, you know, I talk about quite frequently is the word intent. I use it in two, two forms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I use intent as in, you know, what you mean, what's in the heart, what do you intend, what's your intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also use intent as in I intend to do this. So it's a self, uh, it's an action step. Mm-hmm. It's I want this, I desire this, I, I need this, whatever. Anything that keeps us engaged of making our life ours, um, I think is, is critical to our success. A lot of people ask me, well, what's so different about life today than say life for, you know, the Vikings? Uh-huh. Yeah, they were pretty high stress guys. Yeah, seems like it. <laughs> no, 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 actually they weren't. No? And, and here's why, is A, they didn't really carry around a bunch of social baggage, firstly and foremost, that's, that's, key and, and first and foremost but their life was simple mm. it was simplistic mm-hmm. it, they didn't have the the multi levels of complexity that we have in modern day society so just their their baseline life was probably about eight octaves below ours oh wow mm-hmm. so they were a lot more when they came home from their raids or wherever they were going they were really low key. I mean, chilling out and, and um, they were very down to earth. But what was really important for me to learn is that they intended everything they did. If they, if they didn't want to do something, they told you. Right. And I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting mm-hmm. words in my ancestor's yeah. mouth here. But <laughs> I think you have a good um, enough relationship with them that they honor I, I, that. I, you can speak for them. It's <laughs> I, I think I can get away with it for now. Yeah. But they live their life intentionally. If you look at the nine noble virtues that the Norse people upheld, you know, things like honor and courage, industrialness, self-reliance, um, hospitality, all of these things. Those were intentional processes. They intended that. They, in, they made sure that they were self-reliant. They made sure that when you came over, you felt like you were taken care of. They were hospitable. And so it, their life was very intentional. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times I, I hear a lot of times, in, in, particularly in the Celtic uh, circles, where our life is all about the self. It's about the self. And understanding where the self is. 
And if I take that and you kind of mull that around in your brain for a little bit, you come up with this idea that you, they're right. It is about the self. It's about the self being in the driver's seat, not, not accepting the victim mentality or, or the fates, as it were. You went out and you did it. You took charge of your life. And uh, when we talk about free will and some of those other thought processes, that's, that's really what we're talking about there. Is we're talking about being in the driver's seat mm-hmm. and not being in the back seat, wondering where this, where this car is going to end up. Right. Yeah. Just taking, taking control and, and making choices. Cause they say, if like you don't make a choice, the universe might make a choice for you and it might not be one you like, you know? Right. And exactly. Um, I wanted to say, I saw that you were, were friends with the Spirit World Center podcast and Eric and Lauva, and I saw your episode with them on there and I, I, I didn't get to hear the whole thing, nor did I want to because I wanted a really fresh, like, um, I love coming into conversation with not a lot of too much stuff, so it can be very authentic. Uh, but I did hear a little bit of you working with a Navajo shaman. I did. And I sat um, in ceremony with a Navajo elder uh, last January, actually a year ago. And one of the big teachings that I took away from the day with him was about making a choice and, and really like owning the choice. And even if it was turns out to be the wrong choice, instead of becoming the victim or, or going like, oh, what was me or this big, huge drama around it, just being like, okay, here's where we sit. And you kind of just like start redrawing the map, like, okay, trial error, that didn't work. And then, okay, where do we go now? And like, just making a new choice from that choice point and not spending, you know, in the drama zone of it, of spending so much time. And to me, that feels like, just like what you're saying, and almost like parallels what (laughs) I feel like the vision of what you were saying with the Vikings, you know, of like, just, you know, going back and just, just, being bold, being powerful in yourself of being like, okay, that didn't work. Who cares? Moving on. What's next? Where do we right. go now? And right. we're, it's not always going to be smooth sailing and it's going to work out. And yeah, sometimes we do need to learn those lessons for good or bad right. or re- relation, right? Like they're, yeah. So that's really that cool. Is, that is key is understanding that there's a lesson to be learned. So take notes. So if you're failing, take note because- right there's something to be learned from that. Yeah. I wanted to honor the time right now for you. And I wanted to, as we close out, do you, um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you were mentioning your Patreon thing that you're building, or do you want to hold off on that? Do you, I can, Um, like, when you get it up and running, I can put it in the show notes for anyone that can come back, um, and, or might hear this later, um, if they want to, to join you in that it, it is it is up um oh, it is that's up. where okay. our that's where our podcasts um i actually do kind of two levels of podcasts is i do the audio presentation obviously every week um but then i also write out the shows um beforehand a so i can remember what i'm talking about age uh getting up there but b um so that my listeners who may be hearing impaired um can join in on the knowledge Mm-hmm. And so I type up all the lessons and those lessons, those teachings, I put on the Patreon site. Okay. That's, that's where they are. Um, and so if they go to like the web, my AK Ulf Hefner website, it'll just point them over to, over to the there. Patreon site. If they choose, it's a, it's a small cost, 
um, mm-hmm. to, to get the notes, but uh, they can get them and, and uh, that way they can read along. I know what we talked about and hopefully encourage them to, uh, to accept it into their lives. Beautiful. And then I also want you to, before we close out, you just to, because we, you went into so much about your book and I just, I told you, I'm like, I'm gonna make you tell that again. Cause um, I want you to drop your book in here. That's coming out in May. Is that correct? And just tell us correct. a little bit about it. And that will be something I'll update in the show notes as well. Once you have that out. So people can return here to, um, get their hands on it, or um, if they're new listeners, they can also the, just have that link. the The book is out for it's it's actually listed on on my website. Um, okay, so they can just go they there. Can go if they want to pre order it. Um, okay, cool. the The book is due out, like I say, in May. What the book is essentially it is um, how humans got to where we are today, hmm. and so it talks about the evolution of humans. Um, it talks about some of the conversation we were having before the show about the genetics and uh, the actual chemistry within the body that actually make you think the way you think you think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about where the evolution of theology came from. So starting with the atomical modern humans uh, migrating out of Africa uh, about 196,000 years ago, we, we kind of follow this this train of thought where we go from animalism to animism Mm. to monotheism to polytheism and then back to monotheism throughout the span of you know 190,000 years and kind of what that means Uh, ultimately I talk about I, I call it what it is and address the negativities that have been applied to us from um monotheistic practice Got to keep saying, make sure I say that, um, the monotheistic practices. And then it goes on to say, going forward, I'm not telling you that you have to become a, a spiritual Celtic Norse like I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if you listen, learn to listen with your heart, whatever you decide is your relationship with your deity is right. Mm. It, it's it's the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. um, and understand again, you know, lessons learned talks. It talks, the book talks about, uh, you know, you being in the driver's seat and just not accepting a victim mentality in either actions or desires. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the one when we talk about magic, we talk about prayers, uh, worship and all the and rituals and all those different pieces of things that people have attached one connotation or another figure whichever um where that where that all came from and why and why that came why that came to be and so my hope is that if you know an individual reads the book wants to be a uh, in a christian faith i'm going to help him be a better christian Mm. if he wants to be muslim Mm -hmm. i'm going to help him be a better muslim you know if he wants to you know if they want it change and they want to follow their spiritual guides to wherever that leads they shouldn't feel guilty or negative about that Mm -hmm. just because they don't fit in what i call the social club of religion does not mean that they are any less spiritual than any anyone else Mm -hmm. their interpretation is just different Mm -hmm. and so um ultimately my hope is that the book uh, gets in enough people's hands um 
to where we can start as a as a race, as a human race, to start understanding it's okay to be different. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be off the path. It's okay to, to not have the same exact belief system. It's, it's perfectly acceptable. You have your interpretation and I have what I interpret to be mine. Yep. It doesn't make mine wrong. It doesn't make yours wrong. It makes mm-hmm. them different. It would be very much like the two of us standing out and looking over the bay. We're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, just getting, hopefully getting people to recognize that. And that would be, that would be my greatest joy. Yeah. Well, and I I see like, this is where our frequency is definitely, (laughs) this is why we were put together to, uh, to meet up because your, your vision and my vision is very, it's why I, you know, do this and, and why I haven't walked the, the, the straight and narrow path that I was put on. And I was like, I had, this doesn't make sense. And so we definitely both hold that in our hearts so that people, I just want to see people to feel love and be free and, and be who they are. And, 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 and what their thoughts are is to be able to feel confident and, you know, whole in that, you know, even if it goes against mom, dad, grandma, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, just really standing sure. in their individual path. You know, and 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 I I I've had several clients over the years who have who have been satanic worshippers, mm-hmm. and they come to me and they're like, yeah, yeah, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm like, you're no more satanic than I am, Batman. Um, honestly, the only reason you're doing that is to rebel against that, mm-hmm. is to rebel against Christianity. You're not doing it because you believe that you know. Um, this this entity that you refer to as Satan is in your life or not? Mm-hmm. You just want the shock value against the the mainstream practice. And the other thing I hope the book does is helps to delineate the difference between theology and practice. Mm. And that has been that has been um, my I would almost say mission mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in helping people understand that your theology is never wrong whatever theology you have Mm -hmm. your theology is never wrong however the practice the display of said predominantly the monotheistic uh, practices where you are controlling others in an attempt to further your influence Mm -hmm. is where we fell off the track is really where things got broke is that i think there were people that were involved in that era who then twisted it in an attempt to control the populations at the time Mm -hmm. uh, not realizing that there was a lot of those things that would become so ingrained that people believe them nowadays even though no one knows why yeah yeah it's just oh well grandma said it when i was three years old and And that's kind of stuck in there and there it is. And we and didn't like, take time well, to get quiet and to <laughs> question the, right. the narrative of it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. So, yeah, absolutely. But uh, the website uh, you've already found, um, but uh, mm-hmm. for your listeners, HTTPS, I did get the S finally, uh, colon slash slash akulfhefnar.com. And Ulf Hefner is spelled a little different in the webpage because it's um, the Americanized version. Mm. So it's spelled AK for Alaska, U-L-F as in Frank, H-E-D-N-A-R. Um, 
the D, it kind of looks almost italicized. In Old Norse, was actually TH as a sound. Mm. So that's kind of where you get, there's confusion. Uh, <laughs> there's confusion when you cross over so many languages. Um, and then the other thing I, I think I should, um, Eric, uh, you mentioned um, that Spirit World podcast. Mm-hmm. Eric pointed out um, <clears throat> that there's quite a few languages that are on my webpage, and that's by intention. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, Old Norse. Um, because um, a lot of my beliefs, being a Celtic Norse, actually go a little bit beyond the Old Norse. Um, there's Dane. There's mm-hmm. Danish. Uh, the intro is actually Danish because I am from a Danish descent. And then most is in English. <laughs> so uh, everybody should be able to at least get a copy of what's up there. Yes. Um, there is two sides of it. There's the spirituality and the psychology side of it. Um, I am doing a... Uh, thesis in the psychology part of it and then of course my my shamanistic practice kind of dominates everything and so that's where most of my spirituality is is there on the page too so and if that's they what wanted you brought to... up overwhelming yeah <laughs> i know because i was like okay there's other languages okay and then there's just like a lot of information which is great and <laughs> i know there'll be definitely people that are going to want to and they should dive into it and read it and i didn't see it off the top because I was just scanning through um, to get a feel for you before we connected. Is there a place do, that if somebody wanted to work with you, they can contact you through there to, to um, work with you one-on-one? There is. Um, there is a, uh, and it's on, I believe it's on the bottom of the questions page. Okay. You go all the way to the bottom. There's a uh, section that you can, you can drop me a line. And then uh, leave a phone number and or a, a you know a way to contact you, and I can uh, I can reach out. Um, uh, I will say that as soon as um, here in Alaska, as soon as the ground gets a little clearer, I'm pretty busy from about March to November. Okay. But I always try to make time for for questions and and uh, anybody's got any questions. Again, you can always reach out to me at shaman at akulfhefner.com mm-hmm. as okay. well. I'm, I'm pretty available or I try to be via email. My tech guy gives me a phone and makes me carry it everywhere. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I have a, a way to get a hold of me. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sitting with me and it's so beautiful. And I just like, my heart was like filling up before, before we got on today. And I was like, oh, I know that this is going to be, there, there's going to be some really beautiful um, nuggets in here. Yeah for for us Good. and for my listeners and it, it really was I a hope so. connecting with you it really was i hope so and 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 you know my greatest joy again is is seeing people understand their spirituality and embracing it i think it it spirituality only leads us to peace and harmony and, and just joy amongst each other and and understanding each other and i think that uh, the more we can get people to embrace that mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether they decide, like I mentioned, if they decide to be in the social club or not um, is irrelevant. What's relevant is that they embrace spirituality at its source and we begin to live in harmony instead of so much conflict and struggle. And ugh, Yeah, especially madness. now, right? It's just yes. all, it's just, it's like we're the boiling pot, right? We're just like, we're starting to burst because it's just, it's gone. The pendulum has swung a, a way too far. <laughs> way too far. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you so much. And everyone that's listening, thank you for listening. And we will talk with you soon.